that's what's frustrating about the Raiders. And that's why this, this segment was created, because I knew I'd get frustrated about something. It's the fact that they kind of like, they they bait you. They're like, okay, it's gonna, you're gonna get it. You're gonna be hopeful. And then we're just gonna not. We're just gonna stop playing football. We're just gonna stop playing defense. Welcome to episode 25 of the Go For Two podcast. This is a podcast for frustrated football fans by two frustrated football fans. I'm Jenna Lique. This is Brad Klein here with me. And Brad, this episode 25, that's a lot, man. A lot has changed. Uh, I'm about an eighth of an inch taller, so that's good, I guess. And uh, we're, we're still on, this, we're on the same campus, and we are yet to do a show together in person. So not much has actually changed, now that I think about it. So We'll see if that ever happens. It feels like every day COVID stays the same. It doesn't seem like there's any end in sight. We'd have to do it probably mass. There's still protocol of where we would, we, we would have to do that. Um, so it, it doesn't look like we'll ever do a podcast episode together. That's right. We're still here over Zoom. But COVID is kind of the least of our problems. I am a little under the weather, but got tested yesterday. No COVID. But that is not the case with the Titans organization. They had three players test positive this morning for COVID. And both Tennessee and the Vikings both suspended in-person activities. And that is where we're going to start our news and headlines this week. Brad? What does this mean for the NFL in the future? Well, we'll find out very quickly because this is unprecedented and the NFL doesn't know what's going to go down. We don't know what's going to go down. The NFL is not going to say that. They have their protocol and they're going to say, we're going to do this, this, and that to get everything in order. But here's my fear is that for the ACC, when a football team has a positive test, he or even she, a staffer, has to sit out for a week. The Big Ten, if you test positive, you have to sit out for three weeks. And if there's more than, I think, eight players on a team in the Big Ten, then the entire team has to sit out for the duration. So that's a problem, right? Because it seems like the NFL is not taking these eight positive tests nearly as seriously. I saw a report that this game between for the Titans this coming week could be played on Monday night just to buy them an extra day. And that, to me, is just unfathomable to have eight positive tests and still turn around for a Monday night game when it's taking the college teams weeks. Yeah, you have more updated number than I have. Thanks for correcting that. I said three, but it is it is eight. This is when I wrote this rundown this morning when the news first broke. But I so – yeah, this – Three players and five staffers. Five staffers. Yep, that's probably the detail I missed. So great job filling that in. My Investigative thing, journalism at its best investigative journalism, attention to detail, things I'm not great at. But we're going, you know, what I'm thinking is this might not be as bad as it seems. That sounds that's, that sounds insensitive. But I'm just saying that we had Major League Baseball. We didn't think we were going to get very far with that. And they had a whole bunch of COVID little clusters all over the place. And we're going to the postseason. Like the postseason starts today. And we're making it through. Hockey made it through. We just had the Tampa Bay Lightning win the Stanley Cup. A little bit of a different situation, but we're, we, we've seen sport leagues get it done. We have the NBA Finals. Again, the other two, NHL and the NBA had bubbles, so different situation, but we saw baseball get through, and I think the NFL will get through, through it too. Yeah, but baseball didn't get through it unscathed. Yeah, the Marlins had a bunch of positive tests, and they had to sit out for, I believe, a week and a half, close to two weeks. So if that were to be the case, which it doesn't look like it is, the NFL is persistent about playing on Monday, which again, I can't see how that can possibly be done safely, but let's say it can't be. Okay. And let's say the NFL has to continue with the MLB's trend of sit out for a, a week and a half, maybe two weeks, whatever it is. That's two games right there in a week and a schedule of 16. And that really messes the entire schedule up because now you're two weeks behind that's an eighth of the season, and the playoffs are going, to be pu- are going to be pushed back that much farther, and it messes up the schedule more than baseball. And baseball, what they did, it'll be very interesting to see if football does this. If the Titans have to miss a game or two, will they be made up? I don't know if that's necessarily the case, that they will make up the games, because baseball is accepted. Okay, we have a 60-game schedule, but not everyone will play 60 games. 
The Cardinals had a COVID outbreak. They're in the playoffs without playing 60 games. It went by winning percentage instead. So will the NFL do that? I think they might have to. That's the only thing I can think of for making that work. That or it would just have to be that the team sits out one week and this can only really happen once and like have that replace their bye is what I'm thinking. But then that's still you'd have to shuffle everybody else around and recalibrate everyone else's schedules. So the winning percentage thing is interesting. It's something we're going to have to keep an eye on. But we had actual football. This started, this started to feel like, you know, an off-season podcast where all we did was talk about COVID. But, no, we had football this weekend, and you, you were right, Brad. I, I would like to admit defeat. Nick Foles is now the starter in place of Mitch Trubisky after the win over the Falcons. I said that we'd see Tua before we saw Nick Foles, and um, you were like, no, Jenna, that's not how it's going to go down, and you were correct. Well, thanks for even bringing that up because, to be honest with you, I don't even remember that take. So, uh, cool. I'll hang that one up on my mental mantle there. So, look, Nick Foles won the starting job on Sunday. It's as simple as that. 16 for 29, three touchdowns and only one interception, 188 yards off the bench. Just think about what this guy could do when he's getting starters reps in practice leading up to the game. Look, Mitch Trubisky – had every opportunity and more to be the Chicago Bears, not only starter, but franchise. And since 2018, he just hasn't taken advantage of any opportunity given to him. And we can, we can dissect the situation and say, oh, Matt Nagy doesn't want to coach him. Matt Nagy doesn't know how to use him, blah, blah, blah. Bottom line is the Bears are a pretty good team with a very subpar quarterback And Nick Foles, bringing Nick Foles in is exactly what the Bears needed Mitch Trubisky to be, which is not a superstar, but a serviceable, get-out-of-the-way quarterback. Let the defense win you games and let the offense be nothing more than not the problem. Yeah, we saw saw Nick Foles do that in in Philadelphia. He was just there. He had, you know, he did some some things in the, you know, the Super Bowl he had, the Philly special and all. But before that, he was just kind of, not making them lose. <laughs> and that's exactly what we're going to do here. I was kind of surprised to see the Bears kind of off topic a little bit, but the Bears are 3 0. I wasn't expecting They're the that. worst 3 0 team in the history of sport. How's that? <laughs> the Texans are 0 3. Who's going to win? Texans versus Bears if they were to play on Sunday? Oh, the Texans, no doubt. <laughs> Two scores. Yeah, that's so. All, all that to say, I have nothing else really to say about this. Nick Foles won the starting job by beating the Falcons. Is that that big of a feat? I mean, the Falcons have been, you know, giving up, giving up points and letting everybody and their mother come back. So, it, was it that impressive? We'll see what, what he does this week um, to show that that wasn't a Falcons fluke. That was me doing what I need to do. It's true. The Falcons have been dreadful in the fourth quarter. But, Jenna, the question I pose to you is that is there an opportunity slash will it occur for Trubisky to win the starting job back this year? I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I When Matt Nagy came out of camp, it was kind of like Mitch Trubisky won the starting job because they were just like – it just made sense because he was in the system longer. So I feel like they're kind of even. Um, and it's just kind of like – who has the hot hand? I say hot, not actually, like, you know, they're not going to light it up, but, you know, who's playing better? I think we could see Mitch Trubisky start again this season, no doubt. Well, the Seahawks are a 3-0 team that looks like a 3-0 team. And the Seahawks held on to beat the Cowboys, and Russell Wilson looked like the MVP. I mean, he looks like the MVP almost every year, but I think everyone now – is kind of on the same page. It's no longer a hot take to be like, why doesn't Russell Wilson have any MVPs? It's more like everyone's like, why doesn't this man have any MVPs? And he's most definitely the favorite. What stood out to you in that game besides Russell Wilson's play? That might be unfair because that was the highlight. But You mean besides me reminding myself that I picked Russell Wilson to be the MVP? Besides that thing? Oh, okay. Kudos. I still can't believe he doesn't have an MVP. And by the way, if Russell Wilson is crowned MVP, I'd be exponentially more proud of that take than the Bears take. Foles will start before Tua. Come on. That one was obvious. This one was up for grabs to start, but now it's looking obvious. Five touchdowns for Russell Wilson, 
315 yards on 27 of 40 passing last Sunday. Russell Wilson is the face of not only the franchise, but the league. And everyone is talking about Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. But to be completely honest, Russell Wilson, in terms of consistency, in terms of sustained excellence, is better than the two of them combined. And I'm not going to say that Patrick Mahomes is not as good as Russell Wilson, but if I had to pick, if I needed to win a game tomorrow, Russell Wilson, I might consider picking him over Patrick Mahomes because he's more reliable because he's done it longer. That being said, Russell Wilson should win MVP, especially if the season ended tomorrow. It should be acknowledged that the weapons around him are probably better than they've ever been. Yeah. Chris Carson's having a good year. And DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf, yes. One of the best receivers in football. Four catches, 110 yards, and a touchdown. I dare you to stop that, man. He is a phenom. And I was thinking, I was watching the game, and I was thinking back, and I was, rem- I was just remembering DK Metcalf as a pro prospect coming out of, I believe it was Ole Miss, and his combine was off the charts. The guy was a unit, right? And all these reports were coming out about how he had like a 0.2% body fat or whatever crazy number it was. And people still thought he was a bust because, oh, he's just a physical specimen. He's not a football player. He's not a receiver. His hands are bad. Who cares about his abs? And now it's like, oh, oh, God, this guy can play he's football? Legit. Oh, yeah. my God. I, no one, no corner in the league is physically capable of trading blows with him. It's impossible. He's essentially, the corners, because he's going to win a 50-50 jump ball every time. He has the muscle. He has the height. The corners are just hoping that there's a bad throw, which isn't going to happen because you have Russell Wilson throwing him the ball. <laughs> the Seahawks are definitely one of the most complete teams in the league. Just thinking about it to myself right now, I'm like, DK Metcalf was, that's what I was going to say. That's my standout um, for me. Just watching that man play. Oh, my gosh. I don't know. I, I think someone tweeted, like, I don't know how everyone overlooked him. And I get why everyone overlooked him. But come on. No one should be questioning his ability to be a top wide receiver in this league after the performance he's put on display this past game and the prior two weeks. It it's amazing to watch and it's a pleasure to watch. I it's because say- he was overlooked because people, especially during <laughs> draft time, are afraid of the unknown. The unknown being the unproven. In the NBA, yeah. when Trey Young came out from Oklahoma, he led the league in points and assists, which just doesn't happen in college basketball. And people still thought he was a bust. Why? Because he looks like he's 13 years young and he's short. That's why. Luka Doncic look, was supposed to be a great prospect but people didn't like him because he came from Europe and the footage on him was blurry who knows he hasn't done it against American talent with football every year it's lefty quarterbacks oh I don't like him because he's mobile and he's a lefty and I don't know if he can stay in the league that's starting to kind of evaporate that fallacy because we're seeing it with now Tua came out he was a top pick Lamar Jackson is that mobile quarterback that's really succeeding but people are afraid of the unknown and DK Metcalf was so fit that he was unknown. But now we know all about DK Metcalf. Guy is a phenom, and he's probably a def- definitely a top five receiver, probably top three. And I was going to say on the defense side of the ball, it looked, they lost Jamal Adams um, in the latter half of that game. Um, and I'll talk about that a little bit more later. But they, you know, Dak and the Cowboys, they were driving, they were trying to – even the score, win the game at the end. And the Seahawks defense, it did what it needed to do, and it held up. Shout out to Alton Robinson, Syracuse, Syracuse alum. We love to see it. I was super excited when I saw that. That wasn't, you know, that was no, that was a big sack in the game. We're not even going to lie about that. That was a pivotal moment in, in the game. Huge. And, I and was the, next play, the next play was the game-clinching interception. Yeah. He, yeah. So shout out to Alton Robinson. We support you here on the Go Over Two podcast. Um, and then Shaquem Griffin from UCF. He had he showed some some things, and he got himself um, a spot on the roster, I believe, or was it? Yeah, from the practice squad. Um, and what a story because that he is. earned it. Yeah, I love that story. I remember watching him, you know, in college and just seeing that story. I always hoped the best for him, and I know he wasn't really playing in the NFL, but he showed 
the world that he is capable of doing so. And Pete Carroll was like, this guy deserves a chance. And he got taken off the practice squad. So I think the defense looks to, to at least do enough. And so I'm, I'm in on the Seahawks. Yeah. And Shaquem Griffin was born without a hand and, and now he's making an impact. And again, that's one of those, Ooh, I don't know. I'm afraid of him because of the unknown. He was lighting it up at UCF. A lot of people passed on him at the, in the draft because born without one hand, he's kind of an unknown. How will he fare in the NFL? Turns out he is an NFL player. And I think he's going to make an impact on that defense. Well, continuing in the NFC with some powerhouses, we had the Packers and the Saints play, and it went the way I expected. This is a this is a take. This is a pick that I got correct. The Packers took care of business against the New Orleans Saints, um, and yeah, tell tell me about that, Brad. What does this mean for your Super Bowl pick? I think you have more of an opinion than I do. Yeah, took the Saints to win the Super Bowl, so I'm not looking the best right now. But I will say this. I mean, in terms of losses, this is about as encouraging as it can be because the idea, the fallacy of, of Drew Brees going into this game was he's too old, he can't do it, and that came from the Raiders' loss. I can't, I can't tell you how many highlights I saw of Drew Brees and his bad plays against the Raiders showing us, hey, see, look at this is a 40-year-old quarterback. This guy's too old to do it. And what does he do? He turns around and he scores 30 points on the Packers the next week. 30 points should be enough to win a football game. Just because the defense gave up 37 to Aaron Rodgers doesn't mean Drew Brees is too old. Look, there are certainly some things for the Saints to figure out, but I think we have to acknowledge that the Packers are as legit as can be. There were 13-3 and three last year for no reason whatsoever. A lot of fans and a lot of quote-unquote experts were overlooking them after the 13-3 and three season. I think a lot largely because they didn't bolster the offense with a pick in the first round, taking Jordan Love in the draft instead of a weapon for Aaron Rodgers. And by the way, for me just to address that, this is not the Aaron Rodgers revenge tour. Okay, Aaron Rodgers is balling out this year. It's not because he's ticked off that the Packers drafted Jordan Love, his replacement, instead of a weapon for him. This is Aaron Rodgers in the second year of a system under Matt LaFleur, really starting to click now. And this is a Hall of Fame quarterback doing Hall of, Hall of Fame quarterback things. Yeah, the, the trope or whatever that Aaron Rodgers just, you know, isn't good. Not saying no one ever thought. I mean, we all know Aaron Rodgers is good, but that, you know, he had a down year last year, but his team still won games. And for me, that's the most important thing of a quarterback. And he's just continuing to build momentum. The Packers are another team. I think they're, they're better than the Saints and they showed that on, on Sunday, but they also can, that NFC, man, it's, it's looking interesting and it's, it's given us some, interesting wins and some I don't even know how to explain it I, I'm going my brain is is going through all these 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 teams in the NFC and we have this game two you know powerhouses and we saw the Packers come out on top but then we see the the NFC North or the NFC East in general like what is happening in that division we'll talk a little bit about that later it's like the perennial talents are doing what they do almost every year and that's somewhat comforting but then you have these interesting wild situations that happen the Cardinals lost the Lions <laughs> what like how did that just doesn't just just, just, just just doesn't compute oh my goodness um so I yeah the the Packers look good I picked them to win I had no doubt in my mind that Aaron Rodgers was gonna go do Aaron Rodgers things and I think it's even better he's even better this year because of what you said, it's just comfortability with the coach. It's year two. He knows what's expected of him, and he's doing some pretty good things. Will you be concerned about the Saints? Will you be concerned about my Super Bowl pick? Um, that's a good question. I, I, need, I need a little bit more. If, if they continue to struggle, because the thing is, we have that Raiders win or that loss yeah. to the Raiders. That kind of throws everything off. Because I still don't have, like, a good litmus test of what the Raiders are going to give us this year. I think they're going to give us what they always give us, which is, like, a hot and cold type of situation. We'll be in a conversation later in the year. 
But I think that win is kind of hard to gauge whether or not the Saints were bad or the Raiders played well. Of course, I would like to think that the Raiders played well, but that's not the opinion of everybody. So I think give me a couple more games and maybe next week one of the questions in our preview session or our recap will be, is it time to hit the panic button on the Saints' Super Bowl hopes? We'll see. Josh Allen. Some people like him. Some people don't. But you cannot deny what he's doing on the field right now. And he brought his team back. So the Rams came. So Bills played the Rams. Let's start there. And then they, the Rams came back. They let the Bills let the Rams come all the way back behind, behind their goodness. What's his name? Jared Goff. Thank you. Um, and, and then Josh Allen. What? Deficit too. It yeah. was a twenty-five point deficit. Yeah, it was a deficit, and everyone was like, "Oh." They're starting to look like the Falcons. But then Josh Allen told them to shut up. He said, nope, none of that. And in the final 15 seconds, he threw a touchdown pass to Tyler Croft for the win. That's He threw for over 300 yards in every game this season so far. And he's turning them into points and winning his team games. And we see the Patriots. They're there, and they're always going to be competitive. But is the Bills are doing what the Bills do. What do you think about their performance so far as being so from the AFC East division, that fandom? What are you thinking? Look, the Bills are dangerous. The Bills are legit, and they're legit because Josh Allen is legit. We were kind of waiting for Josh Allen to develop into something. This is who he is, a guy that can do a little bit of everything. He's not necessarily great at anything besides maybe his deep ball strength. His accuracy isn't fantastic, but – Then again, 10 touchdowns this year, only one interception. He can run a little bit, and he really just keeps the defense honest, keeps the defense on their heels. So I really like the Bills Bills team to combine Josh Allen with one of the best defenses in football. It's very dangerous. And I will say this about Josh Allen. The thing that was most impressive to me wasn't that, oh, he threw for over 300 yards again. Oh, it was only his first interception of the year. Fantastic. Five, in, five touchdowns he was responsible for. What I was really encouraged by, if I'm, a, if I'm a Bills fan, is that he took ownership for the near loss. The Rams scored four, on four straight possessions, and two of those scores came off of turnovers from Allen. And after the game, it wasn't that he was happy that he threw the game-winning touchdown to Tyler Croft. It was, you know, that's on me. We're only having this conversation about the late win because I gave the Rams an opportunity to come back, and he's challenging himself to be better. And for any AFC team out there, that is scary because the Bills are a combination of talented and smart and humble, and that is a very dangerous combination. Yeah, Josh – Josh Allen, going up against Josh Allen next week. We're going to preview the Raiders and Bills game, but this, I think this is important. He can do, he's a jack of all trades and he can do pretty much everything pretty, you know, above average. Um, He's not perfect in any of them, but he does what he does really well. And it's super unpredictable. Next thing you know, he's, no one thought coming out, coming out of the combine, the draft, and this guy was going to run. He's running all over the place. And then, you know, he could throw the ball. Everyone knew he can throw the ball with accuracy, without accuracy. That was what was hit or miss. But he's making some plays, and it's impressive. And this team is is a scary team to be facing now. And I think it will continue, barring any major injuries, it will continue into the postseason. Well, you didn't think we were going to get through an entire show without talking about that Monday night football classic. The Chiefs handled the Ravens 3-4-20. And when I say classic, it wasn't because this was a razor-tight game. The Chiefs won by two touchdowns, but it's a classic because, to me, Jenna, it proves that no one for the foreseeable future is going to be able to beat this, this Chiefs team. I keep saying it. I keep saying it. Who is going to beat this Chiefs team? I don't see it. I was – watching the game and FaceTiming my mom and I go, man, the Chiefs are good. We're never going to, like, the Raiders are never going to do anything for the next 10 to 15 years because the Chiefs are so good. And I kind of got in my feels about that because I was like, man. And then we started talking about, like, 
hopefully the Raiders win a Super Bowl before our death. Like, that's what we start talking about. The Chiefs are just so good. And it was all over Twitter, all of the analysts um, and on-air on talent for ESPN picked the Ravens in this game. Yeah, Are you that? kidding me? I had no idea. I have another show on ZD9, your party station, Syracuse, by the way. And I'm the only one of the hosts that picked the Chiefs. I don't know why. Why are you picking against Patrick Mahomes on Monday night? That was absurd. I was like, we're, we're doing – I you know, we both picked – we talked about this game, and it was obvious the Chiefs. I don't think anyone beats the Chiefs. The question was, will anyone knock off the Chiefs? And I say – no, I don't – it's almost impossible to think that they go undefeated, but it's almost impossible for Patrick Mahomes to do what Patrick Mahomes does, and we see it every single week. So, no, no one beats them, in my opinion. They're going to be our Super Bowl champions, you know, at least until someone – they have to start, you know, thinking about money and maybe having to move people away or something because – No, they, they've already they, taken care of it. It's all done. It's all How is that possible? They just, they just signed Chris Kelsey. They just signed Chris Jones. They have Patrick Mahomes locked up until 2220. I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I will say the Chiefs front office has done a fantastic job because they had no cap space, but they managed to lock up three pro bowlers in the same offseason. And, yeah. Oh. Will they be paying a lot later? Yeah. Is it worth it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. These are generational talents all pulled together in, on one team. And it's just it's – a, it's a combination of drafting well and realizing what you have. And just because they're, they've already won and you're going to have to pay them doesn't mean that you move on from them. This is not the Bill Belichick model. This is the Chiefs creating their own model, which is draft a quarterback – play or build around him and then pay him because they're worth it. I, 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 I don't know if I'll ever see happiness in football ever, never, ever in my life because the Raiders have been bad pretty much my whole life. So just ever in life, I don't know if I'll see it because the chiefs are scary good. They're my Super Bowl pick and I'm sitting pretty with that one. And I don't know what those fools on Monday, you know, on Monday night, we're, we're thinking. And the fools at the Z89, I don't even I, – I don't remember who's on that show. But all of you guys, wrong. Why would you ever think that? Like, that's just absurd to me. And the thing about this game that was so crazy was that it's – the 14-point deficit was closer than it felt. <laughs> like, it felt astronomical, the difference. Like, the – well, the Chiefs scored 21 – unanswered points in the first half and even while the second quarter was winding down the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes were still trying to make it a 20-point game they were going for the jugular trying to prove, prove a point and they held off the Ravens the Ravens did some things which was to be expected but even when they did things it still felt like the Chiefs had this in the bag and they could have just gone home and they still would have won. Like, that's what's scary to me. By the way, the Chiefs also locked up Andy Reid for the next three years, so yeah. there's that. There's so that the, too, yeah. The Chiefs were dominant. The Colts were dominant as well, defensively especially against my Jets. It was not good. Bad loss, okay, I'll admit it. 36-7, to and it was the defense – that forced three interceptions on Sam Darnold. Two of them returned for touchdowns. Oh, and by the way, they also forced a safety on Darnold. So if you had the Colts defense in fantasy, like Oscar Offerman, my friend, and, and a mutual friend. And Jenna Lique. Yes, Jenna, and Oscar. So, okay. Good to know that Oscar's doing well. It was a good day for fantasy if you had the Colts defense. And if you're a Jets fan, it was basically like any other day. But the question is, can this team, the Colts, can they make a run – just off of their defense? Well, before we begin, I, I did have the Colts defense, and it looked – it was a fantastic day for me. I can – well, as I sit here and talk, let's see how many points they gave me. 27 points, two touchdowns, three interceptions, a safety, and only seven points allowed. It was a fantastic day. Pair that with – I'm just going to flex, you know, fantasy flex right now. Pair that with a five-touchdown performance from Russell Wilson. You know, I, I let's just say I beat my opponent by 
almost oh about 80 points oh. <laughs> at 100 i ended with 178 points jeez so i'm doing good at fantasy for someone who last minute was like let's do the fantasy thing um but can this team make a defensive you know can the defense carry this team into super bowl contention and this is going to bring me some heat. So just for some context, I, my friend Harrison, who I know will be listening at this point, Colts fan, and he does not like my take that I don't think Phillip Rivers is that great and can do some things. Um, and I get told that often. So I put this question in because I am going to stick with what I've said privately. I'm going to say it publicly. I don't think that this – I think this defense is really, really good. But I don't know if they have all of the pieces, even at quarterback, to, to win a Super Bowl. I just don't. Because we think of – unless it's some crazy circumstance, because I think that Phillip Rivers is better than Nick Foles. Like, <laughs> yes. And in Philadelphia, that was a crazy underdog story that went down. Um, and the Bears are 3-0. We were just talking about just like a plugging guy with a really good defense. And I can see where that – I might be contradicting myself a little bit here. But I also just looking at who they play within their division. I mean, they have the Titans up top. The Titans were my pick to win the division, and they're three and zero. And Ryan Tannehill is playing out of his mind. They have Derrick Henry, and they made a deep run last year in the playoffs that everyone blinked and forgot about because they thought it was maybe it was you know they beat the Patriots. Maybe it was because Tom Brady and whatever, whatever. Like, no one wanted to focus on the fact that the Titans did that thing. And I seem to be, you know, they're starting to get a little more credit. As we saw last week, we talked about how they got a little bit of a bump in the spread um, to be to be um, the favorite to win. And they ended up winning. Um, so I think that that's going to be their major problem. And if they're in a tight spot, let's say they do play the Titans. Um, the Titans have kept all their games within a couple of points, and it's They've all been decided late. I don't know if Philip Rivers can do it. I, I've seen him multiple times not do it. Throw interceptions. He threw one in their only loss of the season so far to the Jaguars late. And that is what – that's the thing about Philip Rivers that gets me. I, I see the interceptions when trying to make a comeback or the incompletions when trying to make a comeback. I need someone that I can be – that I can rely on throughout. And turnovers are things that hinder my team, not support my team. So I don't think that they can make – I think they can you know, maybe potentially do, do some things, make the playoffs, especially in this um, expanded model. But I don't, I don't think Super Bowl's in their cards um, until they get a young quarterback in there. Yeah, they're just a little too incomplete to make a Super Bowl run. I, I'm a Jonathan Taylor fan, I guess. I really liked him in college – do I think he's the primary back of a Super Bowl contender? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. The Colts have a ways to go, but Darius Leonard, that defense, it's very fun to watch. So the Colts are trending up. The Eagles are trending down or sideways, depending on your interpretation. The Eagles tie the Bengals at 23 apiece. So as if 2020 wasn't weird enough, we have a tie, and it only took us three weeks to get one. Is it time to hit the panic button on Philadelphia? They're winless. The easy answer would be yes, right? Obviously, they haven't won a game. They just tied with the Bengals. They lost to the Washington football team. It is not looking good. But I'm going to quote Miles Sanders here. And he said today, I don't know where, I just saw this on Twitter. He said, don't be a fan leader, either with us or not, the whole way. And when you take a look at the, um, the atrocious NFC East, they're not out of this, and obviously, to any, by any stretch, that means no team is out of this. But, you know, well, the Washington football team sits at the top of the division at 1-2. and two. The Cowboys are 1-2, and two. and the Eagles are just 0-2-1. And that's, you know, you could still, they could still make a run, at least get maybe a wild card spot. I don't think the Washington football team will hang around for too long. But they need to start turning it around about about now. They need to turn it around about a week ago. But we're not gonna hit the panic button just yet. Let's be patient. I'm gonna take patient. I'm gonna take Miles Sanders' advice and you know support them now. But if, you know sooner or later, I might have to drop and hit that panic button. 
So here's the deal. I think it is time to panic on the Eagles. For them to be winless, it hasn't been a very tough schedule. And Carson Wentz, their franchise quarterback, is only 29th in QBR. That's horrible. I mean, only Sam Darnold and, man, who, who else is behind him? I'll get, I'll get the other, the 32nd QB, best QBR in the league in a, in a second. But that's not good company for Carson Wentz to be in. I'm not going to say it's over for the Eagles because, as you kind of alluded to, their division is just just terrible. And the Cowboys haven't proven much either. So for me, the Eagles have a chance. They just have to kick it into fifth gear very soon in order to bank in on their opportunity. It's Dwayne Haskins, by the way. Carson Wentz, 29th. Sam Darnold, 30th. Dwayne Haskins, 31st. And for whatever reason, ESPN only lists the top 31 in QBR. So there's that. All right. There's that. Fun fact. Well, it's my turn to give my Hard Knocks recap recap. And let me tell you, folks, I got nothing for you. <laughs> At some point, this, this, I truly, truly fumbled here to talk in football terms. I was really excited to you know, watch this. Granted, I was in quarantine for 14 days, so I had a lot of time when, when this uh, Hard Knocks adventure started. At some point, we're going to have to call my recaps quits if I don't get on top of it. We'll try again one more week. I'll give you a recap of my recap. Maybe I'll have actually something for you. If not, we might just need to call it a day. Go to HBO and, uh, and watch it because I seem to be a mess and have no time to do the one responsibility that I have to this podcast. No. There's more to it than that. I don't just have you on for the recap. You're the, you're the lead host. You're the, you're the brain. You're the, the mastermind behind this. This is, your, this is your mental offspring. My brainchild. Yes, it is. That is true. But the recap was specifically what I was responsible for. <laughs> all right. All right. I mean, you seem very down in the dumps. What will, you, what will cheer you up? How about some what was trending? Is that okay? What I was think trending? that would be okay, even though okay. my what was trending was kind of depressing. So let's start with yours first. Okay, we'll start with mine. Women making history in the NFL. Cleveland and Washington in that game, you had a female referee and a female coach on each sideline for the first time ever. It was Callie Brownson, the chief of staff for the Browns. Jennifer King is Washington's full-year intern, and Sarah Thomas served as the referee. This, to me, is a great story. And, Jen, I have to ask for – for you, is this an indication that things are really looking up in the NFL? Yeah, I thought I thought it was was a cool story. Um, I, I it's funny that this is your what was trending and it's yeah. not my what was trending, and that's why you're asking me that question. Um, yeah, I mean, we we'd love to see it more. I think that we have a lot of these like woo moments, and they're not really substantiated. <laughs> It's just like, yay, women for a day. We'll give you your set, like, you know, your couple minutes of fame, and then we'll move on and we'll have, you know, we'll do whatever. But, again, it's football. I don't, you know, expect it to be like, all right, 50-50 split. That's just unrealistic. But maybe just maybe not making it such a big one-time hurrah. That's all I would say about it. I thought it was was cool, and I'm really happy that, more women are getting involved with football because I know that like women are football fans. Like they're, they, I know I, there's a stat that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers organization over 50% over half of their fans are female. Like they like football. We like football. (laughs) We enjoy football. We know football more than most would give us credit for. So maybe just seeing it more widespread, not making it such a big deal because it should be more expected than, Yay, once. We won't talk about this next week. <laughs> yeah, and I, I know women are starting to get more involved in the front office aspect, but on the sideline, on the field, that's pretty rare. So for me, I see this as, as a, a step in the right direction, at least in terms of um, equality as much as it can be gained in, in an all-male sport like football. Mm-hmm. That's the other thing is that there's no, there's no female equivalent. So, yeah. for example, in the NBA, Becky Hammond is one of the top coaching candidates out there right now. But And she wouldn't be where she is in the field in the NBA, the men, men played NBA, if it hadn't been for the WNBA and, and the female equivalent. That's the problem with football is that there's no female equivalent mm-hmm. for women to prove themselves in 
before they enter the NFL? Well, I said mine was a little more depressing. It's injuries. They're still happening in week three. This, I'm still attributing this to the, the fact there was no preseason games. No one had time to get ready. We had Jamal Adams. He was injured at the second half against the Cowboys. Chris Carson didn't return. His injury, there was some debate on the internet on what happened there. It looked like um, the defensive player, the defensive lineman, just like fell on top of Chris Carson after the play. It was very suspicious, and I saw, I think, Jeff Schwartz, who I think works for NFL Network, question mark, but he was like, that doesn't fly. Like, he's former player. That doesn't fly. Like, people saw that, and people remember that. Like, watch out next week. And I was like, oh, wow. So that was a little interesting about Chris Carson. Looking down the list, um, Dallas Goddard, the tight end for the Eagles, he's he's injured. Um, bigger. Jordan Reed, he was making a name for himself again. I mean, it's a pretty well-known guy, but with George Kittle out, he was the tight end option for, uh, for the 49ers. We had Jabril Preppers for the Giants, and I can go – the list goes on. Chase Young, the, the rookie, supposedly the defensive rookie of the year, you know, at least the candidate. Um, and pick. Taylor Lewan for – the Titans. So just a whole bunch of people. Denzel Ward, the list just continues to go on as they go back. Tariq Cohen um, of the Bears, um, they're thinking he tore his ACL. I think that might have been confirmed this week or today or yesterday. That, that would make sense. Chris, oh, goodness. It's going down this list. There's so many. We'd be here all night if this is what <laughs> what the whole podcast was about. That's why we decided to do it as a what was trending instead of going through every injury like we did last week. Because last week, obviously, that was crazy. But it didn't stop. <laughs> there were still a bunch of injuries this week, and it should be interesting to see how these teams recover and how teams recover from injuries with the whole IR system this year. But that's all I got for my always trending. Well, I guess we'll keep you guys updated on what goes on, what's going on with that stuff. Yeah. No, it's frustrating. It's frustrating when you have Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, Jimmy Garoppolo, Nick Bosa, Solomon Thomas, Denzel Ward, all these great players go down and it derails so many seasons individually and in terms of their teams. But that's frustrating. Guess what else? It's fan frustration. Cue the music. Fan. Frustration. All right, Jenna, so I started with what was trending. I'll let you go with the Raiders because I know you have a lot to say. I do. Well, let's start with the fact that I'm a little frustrated because I wasn't able to watch this game <laughs> because I don't have access to Raiders games. Really fun. So it was a lot of watching highlights. I'll or teach you how to use Reddit. I feel bad for you. You have to try Reddit. It's, it's sad. We'll, we'll get me on, on some, some Reddit, I guess, is how I'll be watching games. But I got, I got enough. So the first quarter, we're looking – the Raiders, we're looking good. Like, we're moving the ball, which we moved the ball fairly well, you know, throughout, and that's not a problem. They took away Darren Waller, so I knew, like, the offense I wasn't expecting much. And I wasn't expecting much from my defense either. This is what I'm frustrated about. Not that our defense was awful, because what's new? To be quite honest with you, what's new? We're not, we're not a very good defense, and we never have. But they, well, they, there was an interception uh, against Cam Newton. They were, he did almost nothing in the first quarter. The interception might have come in the second half. I think the, fir, or the second quarter, um, but the whole first half, we were competing. Like, we were competing, and that's what's frustrating about the Raiders, I think. And that's why this, this segment was created, because I knew I'd get frustrated about something. It's the fact that they kind of, like, they, they bait you. They're like, okay, we're going to do some things. We're going to be a little bit exciting. We're going to get Max Crosby in there to get a couple sacks, his first two of the season. It's going to – you're going to get – you're going to be hopeful. And then we're just going to – we're just going to not. We're just going to stop playing football. We're just going to stop playing defense. And it was a mess. And it was something that everyone, like, in – on the defense, like John Gruden said it, Max Crosby said it, everyone on Twitter, every player is like, our defense just needs to be better. And that was abundantly obvious. And you have Josh Allen in the Bills coming in. The guy who's, who threw for over 300 yards and four touchdowns on Sunday. 
You have him coming into town. He's going to destroy us if you do not figure this out. And then Damon Arnett, which was our one of our first-round picks, he hurt his thumb and now is on IR. And he was, you know, we have a lot of young pieces. So it makes sense that we collapsed in the second half. But it's frustrating even more because one of our, you know, standout young guys is now on IR. And now we're going to have to have someone who's even worse coming. Like, we didn't need a need worse. We were already young and raw <laughs> and barely surviving. And now you got an even worse coming. Hopefully he's not on IR too long. But, man, just like, defense, do the bare minimum, please. <laughs> Welcome back to reality. You were on a big high last week with the Raiders. Yes. And this – this is more on brand, I feel like. Raiders defensive collapse. It sounds familiar. Deja vu. Mine with the Jets, that Adam Gase is still employed. That's the fan frustration for me. Adam Gase, I'm convinced, is not only the worst coach in the NFL, he's the worst current coach in sport. And, mind you, I'm a Mets, Nets, and Jets fan. I've seen my fair share of bad coaches. Adam Gase is far and away the worst coach, manager, the worst, the most incompetent, because not only, Jenna, is he losing games, he's 0-3 to start the season for the second year in a row. He's also losing the locker room. Reports are coming out that guys don't want to play for him, everyone's tuning out, and that if he loses on Thursday night to the depleted Drew Lockless Denver Broncos, he's going to be fired midseason, which would just be borderline unprecedented to fire him pretty early in the season, too, just 25% of the way through to just let the coach go. That's saying something. And reports are call- say that the Jets are actually calling coaching agents. So for me, I know that the Jets are going to have another coach next year. And I can't wait because a change in personnel is exactly what the Jets need, especially in the head coaching room. I get that. But at the same time, I'm just growing so impatient. He's going to be fired next week. I want him fired yesterday. And that's why I'm frustrated this week. Good luck to Adam Gase. There's no way you guys are beating the Broncos. It's and there's no happening. way he's getting another job. Like what? One he's going to get unemployed. Which team will ever hire him for anything else again? Why? Why would you even have him coordinate an offense? Not to ignore head coach. He'll never be a head coach again. Why would he be an offensive coordinator? No, he's, he's ruining Sam Darnold. <laughs> okay, and thank you. Thank you for that transition. He's You're not going to be an offensive coordinator. Why would he be a quarterback's coach if he's ruining Sam Darnold? What's he going to be? The ball boy? Is he going to be the water boy? Is he good enough for that? You go to get a drink of water, and then you, Adam Gase just stares you in the eye. No Gatorade? Well, it gives you the eyes? That's no good. He can't do that. He's, he is unemployable in the NFL. At any level, at anything, unemployable. And he's our head coach right now. We're going we're gonna to move on, and I'm so sorry for you. Before we do, uh, Andrew Siciliano of NFL Network, he tweeted this. Not only are the Jets 0-3, they're the only team in the NFL that has not held a lead at any point in the game this entire season. And I took a screenshot of that because I was like, I just needed to read that for you and just see the look on your face. And it's not great, folks. He looked – Brad looks defeated. That's what Brad looks like. <laughs> they, they, they don't even pretend to be competitive. No. It's not even like, ah, oh, first five minutes, they got the ball first. They flip the coin at the, beginning of the, at the beginning of the game. Oh, we'll receive and we score first and then we get crushed. No, we can't even get the coin flip right. <laughs> You can't, you can literally win nothing. Nothing's on your side. We have some big games to preview quickly. There's not a whole lot going on in week four, to be quite honest with you, but we, we're still going to talk about some things. Patriots Chiefs, Patriots Chiefs was the most notable when I was taking a look. Will Cam Newton and the Patriots be the team to challenge Kansas City? We already talked about how I think no one will be able to, but will they give them at least a challenge? No, the theme of my big game predictions for this week is exposure. The Patriots so far have been touted as, oh, nice little team coming into their own. Cam Newton's looking pretty good. Bill Belichick without Tom Brady, he's doing his thing, and the Patriots can win some games. They're going to be exposed this week. The Chiefs are going to show the Patriots who's boss. And this, this AFC no longer belongs to the Patriots. We're going to learn that very quickly on Sunday. You guys know where, I'm, where I stand. The Chiefs 
I will never pick against them. And it's, yep, it's going to be a humbling. They humbled Lamar Jackson last night. They're going to humble the Patriots coming in this week. We have the Colts versus the Bears. It's new quarterback versus proven defense. Who you got? I told you the theme was exposure. Here it is again. The Bears are 3-0. They're the worst 3-0 team in sport. And the Colts, I don't think they're that good, but they're a lot better than the Bears. Give me the Colts in a landslide, at least two possessions. I'm going with the Colts. I'm trying to debate whether I'm starting their defense. I have, I think, the Seahawks defense as well, and they're playing the Dolphins. So I'm still trying to figure, figure out that, but I'm going Colts as well. No, no brainer for me. And then we have my Raiders versus the Bills. Does Josh Allen continue the stellar play, and can the, the Raiders defense even try to redeem themselves? That's why I can't pick the Raiders here, is that the Raiders defense has been – far and away the weak link of their team and the bills are scoring points in every which way it's not just josh allen it's devin singletary they have one of the best receiving cores in the league so i can't see how the raiders are going to be able to stick with the high flying bills offense yeah i i love my raiders and i got called out a little bit for being too excited about the raiders win um which is unfair because I know we're 2-0, and and I think that's the only time I'll be able to be happy the rest of the season. We have a long way to go. So, I, yes, I might have gotten a little excited that we beat the Saints, but I know that's the last glimpse of happiness. I'll see the rest of the season, and the long road begins with Buffalo, and we, we – trust me, they'll give me a little bit of hope first half, and we'll have the same fan frustration next week. But – the Bills still get it done. And that, you know, that's all we have for you guys today. It was a packed show, a lot going on, a lot of football, which is what we love. We had a little bit of COVID stuff. It was kind of like a little bit of a flashback. We're back to football. And we'll we'll try to keep you guys updated on what's going on around the week next week. Um, you guys know what to do. If you have any type of requests um, and what we talk about or any concerns, you can email us at the go for the number two pod at Gmail. Twitter is the best way to connect with us. You'll get all our episodes. will be tweeted out weekly at the go for the number two podcast um, on Twitter and check us out on Spotify and Apple podcasts. We're on both and it's the go for two podcasts, but on Spotify, you might got, you might still have to do a little digging. I actually haven't checked in a while, but you probably still have to do a little, do a little more digging, throw in our slogan, a podcast, frustrated football fans but two frustrated football fans at some point it'll stop you and you'll see our podcast um and yeah that's that's all we have for this week we're going into week four of the nfl season it is kind of flying by but i'm excited to continue talking about it with you with you brad and um, giving our listeners what they what they love so uh we'll talk to you guys next week